Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi. Welcome to episode 95 of the Deep South Dharma podcast, being released Sunday, November 8th, 2020. The talk that I'm offering this week is actually recorded from a Deep South Dharma session uh, gathering from last weekend. The title is Accountability in Refuge. And I even thought about changing the title um, because I think I think awareness is having a little fun with me. At the time that I queued up this podcast to use this Sunday, I was uh, not not thinking in terms of the counting that would be going on uh, on this Friday morning that I am recording the introduction. So, uh, but I'm, I'm going to keep it the same. I, I want to say accountability and refuge, one thing I will mention is not about, particularly uh, not only taking refuge in Buddha and Dharma, but also in Sangha, in actually sharing with other people what goes on for us internally, um, this is not about, you know, when we share the fact that we're experiencing fearful thoughts or, or thoughts where it's evident that the self continues to try to, to reify it itself and strengthen itself and all of that. Um, this is not something we're being accused of. It's not, we're not talking about taking accountability in terms of we've been accused of something. This is really about support. It's also about responsibility, particularly responsibility in terms of our ability to respond to our own needs and the needs of the experience in front of us, and in many cases, other people in front of us. So take a listen, keeping in mind, this is not about uh, sort of uh, creating some sort of uh, perfectionistic pro and con list about our value, but about really utilizing the power of the Triple Gem to provide us support. The topic I want to offer this morning is not one that I always hear. This is not a word that I hear as much in uh, Buddhist language or meditation circles. Um, That is the topic of accountability. Um, You know, all serial, serious spiritual practices have this element of accountability to them. Um, And, um, in Western culture, you know, especially re- in recent years, it feels like in Western culture, it's become sort of commercialized a bit. Um, uh, you know, the, the, where to, to talk about being accountable some, to someone might mean um, 
you know, you might even be paying them to go sort of make your confession and receive your punishment in some way, you know, and, um, and, and even the word accountability can feel scary for people because there's that sense of, um, of exposure or fear of, um, shame or, or loss of face or, or whatever. But in the, um, in the, um, early, the early, earliest tradition of the elders in Buddhism and, and in other Buddhist schools as well, um, there is this practice of accountability that really is, is, is more accountability as a mirror, you know, not for the purpose of, you know, I, I, I go to somebody and they punish me or they, um, you know, tell me, well, you need to do this or that, um, un unless we're asking for guidance about how to proceed. But, in Buddhism, accountability is to me more has uh, at least at least a couple of the parami, um, particularly satya, which is truthfulness, and panya, which is discernment. And so, to me, accountability is this sort of sense of being able to see, oh, what what is happening, carrying on um, uh, in me and through me that you know, that it's not useful. Um, and so we can use this and utilize as a mirror. Um, you know, our, our tradition offers us all kinds of lists we can use, actually. Um, we can use the five precepts, for example, you know, sort of as a, a daily practice of checking in with where am I and practicing uh, those five precepts. Certainly that's one way to do it. Um, but as, as um, this group did earlier in our, uh, meditation today, we also can look at uh, the three poisons as a, as a way of sort of categorizing and recognizing. And it's a little bit, when we were meditating, what actually, you know, it's a little bit like you're getting ready to go to a job interview and you kind of, you know, check your teeth in the rearview mirror to make sure there's not spinach or something in there. You know, it's just sort of like, oh, it's not... Uh, it's it's not about shaming yourself. In fact, it's it's maybe an attempt to prevent <laughs> to prevent an experience of of uh, shame or or even more serious you know harmfulness. Um, but you know we we check in um, on a regular basis, explore um, in whether in monastic traditions or lay people. There's some form of I check in regularly. Um, and especially looking in the areas of craving and, you know, hatred. And maybe it's with hatred for many of us. We may not feel like we go around hating a lot of people, but it's helpful then to look at, okay, resentment. And if resentment is hard for you to put your finger on, another way of putting that is where are the areas in life that I'm constantly walking around with hurt feelings? You know, essentially feeling like a victim. Right. That is to me is that second category. So there's the craving category of whether it's craving, you know, substances or craving uh, food or craving behaviors or craving uh, ambitions or, or something to be going on that's not going on. And then whether there's this in the in the category of, of hatred or anger, whether there's this sort of ongoing resentment or walking around with hurt feelings and um and, and that kind of thing. Or then thirdly, that category of delusion. And, and actually for the purposes of this discussion, 
what is sort of bubbling up right this second is that recognition of delusion of, particularly if I've ha been having delusion about anything I'm struggling with in the first two categories, and, you know, confusion about what's going on there, or thinking that I am single-handedly, self-sufficiently supposed to be able to take care of those things. You know, thinking that I'm supposed to be able to stop craving, or I'm supposed to be able to uproot uh, resentment and hatred all on my own. And, um, you know, one of the things, um, you know, we can't, you know, when we talk about purification, in Buddhism, right? There's that recognition like you can't, there has to be a, really this sort of overhaul of, of the heart and mind. That you, we can't purify the heart and mind with the same heart and mind we're thinking with and feeling with. There needs to be, so that is why we do things like taking refuge, right? That there is that, and you know, an image that has been useful for me lately is sort of that, um, in dealing with the three poisons, and particularly with craving, but really all of them, there can be this sense of, I'm supposed to be trying to manage it myself, and we can be like in the old, old story that you used to hear all the time of the little girl with her fingers in the dike trying to hold the ocean back. You know, that's how it can feel, right? And so to mix metaphors, I'm going to shift from that metaphor to Ajahn Sachito's metaphor of taking refuge as... Um, and, and the power of developing the parami to lift, up, lift us above the floods, to lift us above the floods of craving, resentment, delusion, and, um, and, and also the flood of that, just sort of the momentum of that flood, the flood of becoming, the constantly trying to get something done, become somebody else, all of that, taking refuge even if it is, whether it's, you know, formally taking refuge, being part of a group together like this, or whether it is just in any moments of the day to take, to deliberately take a pause and pay attention to the breathing, right? And just notice, oh, there's that momentum. Um, with that, um, and, and, and the thing that sometimes can get overlooked is being willing to share that with each other. Um, not that we, not that we need to, or that there would even be time to share everything with everybody, but to have uh, noble friends, friends on the path, that we can share those things with. And again, we're not sharing them, you know, uh, with the idea of, um, you know, humiliating ourselves or them, you know, scolding us or anything like that. It's just. It's just sharing, oh, you know, when I, when I, to use another metaphor, when I brought this uh, plastic swimming pool toy thing in from the weather and soaked it uh, in the sink for a while and realized this toy is a, a lot more brightly colored than I realized, right? It's just that sort of soaking in, um, soaking in the Dharma, allowing ourselves to be saturated with the present moment allows us to sort of lift these, this film of whatever it is that whatever it is that is a block for us what, at any particular time, whether it's craving, resentment, or delusion. And so, um, in doing, there is just something very powerful about sharing that with each other. And some of it, of course, is the mutual support we get from it, um, and the examples that we can be to each other. 
I think even beyond that, what it does is it shows us that, oh, I, I'm not unique in this. And in fact, that's not part of I. <laughs> Greed, resentment, delusion, like, oh, these are, these are part of this conditioned existence we're swimming in. And when we talk to each other and check in with each other and are honest with each other and ourselves about what's going on, then we lose that feeling of, oh, this is particularly me, I'm particularly bad, or I'm, you know, particularly awful craver, or whatever it is. Um, we, we, we get freed from that, and thereby clearing up that delusion, right? That um, being freed uh, from that false, that false sense of self. And then, you know, because we see um, one of the things that can cause doubt for people in any path, not just Buddhism, but any spiritual path, is, you know, it's always easy to point to examples of individuals who maybe have a high profile or whatever in different traditions, and then, and, and then it becomes clear, like, they're not even capable of keeping the most basic precepts, right? And so very often, that can happen in all traditions, in any situation where you have people that are not regularly holding themselves accountable to anybody else. Um, and so one of the things that that tells me is that when that happens, it doesn't mean that those people are particularly awful. It means that's a, that's a lesson about, oh, be careful. Be careful to not get yourself isolated in a situation where you're not accountable with anybody, not sharing what's really going on because that sort of soul sickness can happen for anybody. Um, and so that's partly what we come together for. Uh, not that in the group setting, you know, in the group setting, we might not share all the particulars of something because of, you know, time and wanting to respect and give everybody time to share. But we can always uh, take the opportunity to uh, befriend each other, to reach out to each other, to check in regularly, and, um, and have that sense of accountability in the very best sense of that word. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.
Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Deep South Dharma Podcast. We hope you'll feel welcome to share this with anyone you think would find it useful. And as always, feel free to message us your feedback, questions, or topics of interest. Until we meet again, take good care of this body, mind, and heart.